Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Oblivion Spin Presents. Eric, as always, and we are on episode 9 of The Eagle. Last week, we had some intense interactions between James and Maury, which Ren credited as forcing Maury to make a decision. Ren and James visited the surface. Ren gave the pocket knife James had given to Maury back to James, and James accepted that whoever Maury had decided to be, she probably wasn't going to be around corrections any longer. We adjoin him as he addresses the team. You all know Maury does what she damn well pleases. If you're going to be shocked about anything, be shocked she did not wander off sooner. James was in the corrections lobby addressing the men that worked the front half of corrections. He had intended on using the meeting room, but Dante objected to the idea of being left out of the brief to guard the front desk. He had also planned on introducing the new officials to the group, but they had not yet arrived, besides Alex. So he had mostly spent the last half hour dodging questions about why, exactly, Maury had been replaced, and wishing that he had not bothered to hold a meeting about anything at all. He watched the main door anxiously, hoping the new officials would arrive so he could wrap this up. The majority of the group was focused on Dante, who was speaking to James. I understand, Mr. Porter, that there can be a certain level of confidentiality in... He continued speaking, but James had stopped listening as soon as he noticed the main door starting to open. Maury had stepped through the door. Her hair was down, and instead of looking like the color of straw about to burst into flame, it looked like the color of a full-on fire. There was a bandage across the bridge of her nose and a dark bruise on one side of her face which was further accentuated by dark black smudges around her eyes. She wore her usual uniform, sans hood, and walked with her head held high and her shoulders back. She was flanked by two men dressed in black slacks, white shirts, and gray ties with revolvers holstered on their hips. James stood mute, staring at her. There was still a big bruise on her collar from where he had bitten her. She had gone through seemingly no effort to hide it. If anything, she wore a shirt slightly off-center to showcase it. James held his hand up to Dante, who was still rambling on. Corrections. My absolute favorite petting zoo. Even if it is all cocks. Maury smirked for a moment while the men turned to face her. She smirked wider, showing her teeth. Allow me to reintroduce myself, since by your faces it seems none of you have seen a woman before. She walked towards the group as she spoke. Official First Class Maury Dart, Enforcing Manager, Pending Head of Enforcement. My escorts here are Official Third Class Mr. Jack and Official Third Class Mr. Perrin. They are your transfers, as requested. Go join the zoo, boys. Jack and Perrin left Maury and sat in the empty chairs that had been set out. James kept his eyes on Maury. Ollie Sharp. Ollie stood. Yes, Maury? He stumbled getting her name out. Maury laughed. I hear you are my replacement. Have you ever killed anyone, Mr. Sharp? Ollie hesitated. Go get your things, Ollie. We have a case. Ollie nodded before excusing himself from the rest of the group. Maury walked through the rows of chairs and stood in front of the group next to James. She looked out at them. As my new title suggests, I have been transferred to enforcing. I will dreadfully miss working at corrections, but our director desperately wants me, and who am I to argue with the man running the place? I'm appointing Mr. Porter here to fill in for me. I think you'll be in good hands. She gestured wildly and laughed. Any questions before I go? You're, um... <clears throat> Rogers gestured at his own face. Miss Morey. What? She brought her hand up to her face. Have I got something on my face, Rogers? He shook his head. No, Miss Morey. Oh, of course, I broke my nose. It is a long and gruesome story. 
Maury took a knife from her holster and twirled it between her fingers. Not what happened to my nose, of course, but what happened to the idiot that broke it? She tossed her knife into the air, caught it, and sheathed it. Any further questions? No one spoke. James was still nearly frozen in shock. No? Ollie had returned by now with his briefcase and was standing at the edge of the room. I must be going, then, if I hear any of you showing less than the utmost respect towards Mr. Porter, and I will hear of it if it happens. You will regret it dearly. I know where each and every one of you live, so behave. She turned towards James. Did someone cut your tongue out, Mr. Porter, or did you just manage to chase me from your mind? She laughed and kissed him on the edge of his jaw. Take my tea and kettle home. I refuse to suffer through any more bitter coffee. She kissed him roughly on the mouth. James was too tense to process what was happening until the kiss was over and she was walking away. Maury left corrections as nonchalantly as she came with Ollie half astride behind her, her shoulders back and her hair bouncing. James watched the door shut before looking back to his employees. I think this meeting is adjourned. He nodded and thought of leaving the room to retreat to his office, but he still could not bring himself to move from where he was standing. The officials began to put their chairs back against the wall how the lobby was usually organized. Alex came up and stood by James. Do I need to get my eyes checked or was that the girl Ren's been seeing? Poppy Dart? Did you not hear her introduction? Roger said. It is Maury Dart to you. Is Miss Maury to you really? Unless you're on a first name basis, she's particular about that. Roger spoke again. He came out of the break room with a box full of odds and ends. Who had bets on Maury being strangely attractive? I think Clark has a ledger, but I know Terry did for sure. James rolled his eyes and started towards the door. Just because there was a disruption this morning does not mean we're not working today. Take it easy, but make sure nothing catches on fire while I'm gone, alright? Where are you off to, Mr. Porter? Dante called as he walked past. Just a short errand. Do not worry about it. James threw the door to Ren's office open without even thinking about knocking. Ren was in a meeting and stopped talking abruptly when he saw James come in. He looked at James for a moment before looking back at the man he was talking to. Anyway, Hector, I think you ought to talk to her about it before making any rash decisions. We can discuss this further at a future point if you need, but it appears Mr. Porter requires my attention immediately. Hector nodded politely to James as he left the room. James threw his hands up in the air. What the fuck, Ren? Ren held his hands out. I did not withhold any information from you. I am certain I was more surprised than you were when she walked into the main office this morning. Are you certain? Because she walked in during a brief flanked by two strangely well-dressed officials, addressed my men, twirled her knife around, hinted at torturing someone who broke her nose, taunted me, kissed me with tongue in front of the entire front half of corrections, and then just walked out with her replacement to go take a case. I was pretty fucking surprised, Ren. Ren nodded for a moment. I was speaking with a few officials first class about their assignments in the front half of the office when a knife grazed by the size of my head. Luckily, I was able to keep the officials from drawing their revolvers and firing at her. She laughed for a moment, sauntered up to me, hips swaying, put her arms around my neck, grabbed her knife from the wall, and told me, and told me, rather loudly, that she regretted to inform me that... Ren paused and rubbed the bridge of his nose. I was not her type before... James shook his head. No, no, what did she actually say? I know Maury. She did not let you off with a sorry you're not my type after you made her visit the orphanage and listen to women tell her that they would save a red-haired baby for you two so no one had to know she was sterile. Ren's face grew flush. 
Her exact words were more along the lines of, The best thing about not being poppy is I do not have to be nice to you anymore, you fucking asshole. And then she... Ren's face was beet red all the way down to his neck. Grabbed my crotch, kissed me passionately, and started to walk away, twirling her knife between her fingers and singing a little ditty about stabbing people to death. As she walked down the hall towards my office, she called back that just because I won did not mean she had lost. By the time I had successfully excused myself from the crowd that had gathered, she was sitting in my chair with her feet on my desk, drinking a cup of tea and flipping through some files I had. Not her type, Ren. I see she has taught you the art of Mori stories. Ren held his hands over his face and looked at James through his fingers. You got what's coming to you, Ren. To be fair, she let you off pretty easily. Do you think so? James nodded. She could have announced that you were a bad fuck or had a small dick or wept after sex or something like that. I'd say you should be both relieved and flattered, really. I suppose. Ren was still pink. He closed his eyes and rubbed his temples. Anyhow, I think it was safe to say that I was more surprised than you were. I'll give you that one. Ren was quiet. I assume the broken nose is her idea? Ren hesitated. What makes you ask? She seemed a little fixated on the fact I broke yours, James shrugged. Did she give you a good reason, at least? Ren shook his head slowly. I think I know why, but she did not specify. Seriously, Ren? Hey, Ren, can you break my nose, please? Why, certainly. Smack. Ren chuckled. Mori would kill you if she heard your impression of her. Since you took the job, do I have your blessing to date her now? I would still like you to be careful of her, James, but ultimately, so long as it does not affect her or your work performance, I suppose that is not entirely something I can control. James sat for a moment. I suppose I ought to be getting back to corrections. Ren glanced at the clock on the wall. Why do we not get something to eat first? No watch? I considered what you said, and I realized she would be very sad if she knew I was wearing it like that. I abandoned it somewhere that was sentimental to us, so I know it is there any time I visit. It may sound absurd, but I already feel a great deal more peace having done so. That does not sound absurd, Ren. Ren was quiet for a moment. You are not considering trying to settle down with Mori, are you? Not mine to consider. James drew his finger across his throat. I like my head's attached to my body. Ren held his hand up. You know what I meant. I was surprised when you said you'd given her the pocket knife. I did not think you two were particularly that involved. I was led to believe it was more of an arrangement based on sex and notoriety, not an actual relationship. Look, the knife was not meant to be an engagement gift. I just found it and I thought she'd like it and I was too lazy to file the paperwork on it. She's an attractive woman and a good fuck. Stop making it out to be a big deal, Ren. I will take your word for it. Ren made a rather odd facial expression that James did not recognize the meaning of and shrugged. What is that supposed to mean? Ren repeated the same gesture more exaggeratedly. Spending time with you really makes me miss drinking, Ren. James unlocked the door to his apartment. He put his foot in the door to hold it open and grabbed the box of Maury's belongings as well as his briefcase before shouldering his way through the door. As soon as he had, he noticed Maury running at him from the back of his room across the apartment. He dropped the box and the briefcase just in time to catch her as she leapt up into his arms. He stumbled slightly back into the door. She wrapped her arms and legs around him and kissed him deeply on the mouth, taking small breaks to kiss his jaw and neck. He kissed her back and held her. How the hell did you get in here? Maury continued to kiss and nip at his neck as she spoke. Flustered men are easy to pickpocket, and I have a friend who copies keys.
You are absolutely awful, Miss Maury. Thank you, Mr. Porter. I will have you know I'm not sorry one bit. Nor should you be. James carried her towards the bedroom. He had it coming. He set her down on the edge of the bed and leaned over her. He wanted to say something clever, but he could not think of anything. He stared at her face and slightly traced the fingers over her bruise. Perhaps it sounds odd to say, but your broken nose really was a nice touch. I had it done for a reason. Maury moved back on the bed and pulled James on top of her by his tie. She kissed him roughly. Now quit with the small talk and fuck me. James lay on his back with his arm around Maury. She lay on her side with her head on his shoulder and her arm stretched across his chest the way she had when his wound was still healing. Maury tapped her fingers against his far shoulder rhythmically. James finally spoke. I did not think I was going to see you again. There it is. Maury stopped tapping her fingers. I did not think so either. Why did you change your mind? Truthfully? Truthfully. Maury was silent. James tried to recall a time when she had hesitated in speaking, but he could not. He held her tighter and kissed the top of her head. I promise I'll not tell anyone. Her lips popped slightly as she smiled. I was cleaning the kitchen and I found a chunk of old pancake that had gotten shoved behind the bread box. It made me think of you and how you kept saying you liked having me around. Maury paused. Her heart was beating hard enough James could feel it against his side. James kissed the top of her head again. It is true. I do like having you around, Miss Maury. I thought of when Rana asked me on the mat who I had, and I said no one. I always thought I did not want to have anyone, but I rather liked having you. It is almost ironic, is it not? He kept telling me that this was a lonely life to lead, but working in corrections was the least lonely I've ever been. Maury started to laugh. I spend too much time around you and Ren. I think that is the nicest thing I've said to anyone in ten years. James chuckled. I did not know about that. No. You told me I was fun, that I had a nice cock, and that you were fond of me. Once you even told me it really was worth ruining your scarf to pack my wound. You've said a few other nice things, too. He ran his hands through her hair. I have them all written down in my secret diary. Maury laughed. Mr. Porter. Yes? Maury propped herself up against the pillows and looked James in the eyes. She smiled slightly. Do you love me? You should know by now I'm not much one for trick questions. James pet Maury's cheek. If there's an answer you're looking for, tell me and I'll say it, Miss Maury. Maury giggled and punched James lightly in the shoulder. It is not a trick question, asshole. I've just been mulling a few things over and, well, if you love me, now's a good time to let me know. You promise you're not going to castrate me if I answer wrong? Promise. Truthfully? Truthfully. Maury's smile faded slightly and her eyes dimmed into what looked to James to be a dull discomfort? Panic? Her voice sounded almost sad and he could feel her heart beating. James licked his thumb and wiped off part of the makeup that had smudged onto Maury's cheek while they had had sex. I do love you, Maury. Maury grinned immediately. How much? She kissed James on the mouth. Would you die for me? James pushed her away and sat up in bed. The hell is this about, Maury? If you need something, you have the wrong man. That is awful. Maury did not stop smiling. Why would you think that? 
because you are a truly awful person. James studied Maury for a moment. She was watching him expectantly. What do you want, Maury? Maury tilted her head back and forth for a minute. I got you something. She leaned over the side of the bed and grabbed something from the floor. James tilted his head back and looked at the ceiling until a bottle was forced into his hand. He looked at Maury. Thought you were on Ren's side on this one. Maury shrugged. Is it so bad I want someone to celebrate with? She kissed James's jaw. I am here. I will not let anything happen to you. She giggled. James set the bottle on the nightstand next to him. Seriously, Maury, what do you want? I do not want you to coax me into agreeing to give you one of my kidneys while I'm drunk. Just tell me. Maury pouted slightly. James was suddenly aware that he felt entirely vulnerable. He shifted uncomfortably before getting out of bed and retrieving his clothes from the floor. Maury lay on her stomach across the top of the bed, still completely naked. She reached out to touch James. I thought you were supposed to cater to every single one of my whims for the rest of your life. She stuck her tongue out at him. Sure, I'll cater to your whims, Maury. But if you wanted to, someone to read your mind as to what they were, you know damn well you have the wrong man. It is still Miss Maury to you. Maury put her arms over the edge of the bed and tilted her head to the side as she spoke so her words were gradually muffled by her shoulder. James put his hand under her chin and tilted her face upwards slightly. What was that? Maury looked at him for a moment with a devilish smile. I asked if you would like to marry me, Mr. Porter. Before James could answer, Maury started speaking again sweetly. It would be nice spending the night together whenever you want. You could just come live with me under corrections. We could fuck and have cake and drink and anything you want. James rubbed his eyes. You want to marry me? I mean, if you're interested. It seems like a mutually beneficial arrangement. Besides, we should at least be making a show of following the rules we are enforcing. There are at least two loopholes that allow me to keep working anyway, so... Maury rolled out of bed and stood before James. You do not have to convince me. I'm just having a hard time believing you'd want. I love you, James. Maury wrapped her arms around him and held him tightly. Maybe I did not do the best job showing it, but I thought you would know. I do keep coming back to you. You're right. Let us do it then, if that is what you want. Maury pulled away from him and looked up at him, beaming. I'm not taking your last name, though. Maury Porter sounds dreadful in the wrong way. James shrugged as well as he could. James Dart, then? You would do that. I'm your bitch, am I not? James held her close. Besides, as you pointed out, I'm under direct orders to cater to every single one of your whims for the rest of my life. If you'd like me to be Mr. Dart, consider it done. Do you promise you will not think I've gone soft if I say something? I would not dare dream of it. You're the best thing that has ever happened to me. I'm very lucky, Maury. It is still Miss Maury to you, fucker. Mrs. Maury. She pinched him in the side. Do not fucking start with me, Mr. Porter. Mr. Dart. You're not the only one who's lucky. James? Yes, Maury? Will you be the one to take the papers to Wren? Sure, any reason why? Maury hesitated slightly. James wished he could see her face better in the darkness. It was not nice of me. What was not? Hesitation. Fooling around with Ren while courting you. 
James shut his eyes. He could not see anything with them open anyhow. You know I was not that bothered by it. Why'd you bring it up now? Well, I regret it. James turned on the lamp on the nightstand and squinted at the sudden light. He sat up and faced Maury. She was curled up next to him with her face half buried between the pillows. What is wrong? Maury tried not to look at him. Can you turn the light back off? James tilted her head towards him so he could see her face. Are you crying? I'm scared, James. What? You're the scariest thing down here. Maury shook her head. You know damn well that is not true. And I'm afraid the scariest thing is going to be jealous. James took a deep breath before knocking on Wren's office. Come in, Wren called from inside. James opened the door and carefully shut it behind himself. Well, I will be. You have somehow picked up common decency seemingly overnight. Or else you are a twin brother James never bothered telling me about. Wren took his reading glasses from his face and rubbed the bridge of his nose. What can I do for you, James? Probably keep your glasses on. James sat in the chair across from Wren. I need you to sign off on a few papers for me. He held the folder out to Wren. Wren took it and set it in his inbox. I will look over them and have them sent down to you after I finish my current project, assuming they are not pressing or interesting. James looked around the room at everything except Wren. I think you're right. My office is nicer than yours. It is the darker furniture that looks so nice, and the fact I can reach the high shelves to actually dust. Is this information on the cases I gave you? Wren reached for the folder. Why did you not say so? That certainly merits more immediate attention. He put his reading glasses back on and picked up the first page. He looked up at James over his reading glasses. James gestured towards the file. If you do not mind, I rather need your signature on those. Wren seemed to be waiting for something. When he was apparently certain it would not happen, he tapped the intercom on his desk. Benedict, would you kindly have Maury report to my office at her earliest convenience? Wren turned the device off before a response could come through and looked to James. These forms are incorrect. Wren pointed with the butt end of his pen. While I understand it may reflect the nature of your relationship with Maury, the reality of the matter is that you outrank her both in title and position, thusly making her petitioner B and yourself petitioner A, not the other way around as you have put it. Should you desire to follow through with your proposed name change, you will need to not only redo these forms, which you will have to do regardless if you plan to follow through with your ill-advised whim here, but also file a separate request for that, which cannot be filed simultaneously due to the deep love of inefficiency held by the earliest record keeper, and the unwillingness to care enough to change old policies held by his eternal line of his successors. Wren seemed as though he was forcing himself to stop speaking. He failed momentarily. Of course, I would advise against the name change I rather liked James Porter. I would think you would have less of a reason to abandon your namesake than Maury does. He looked somewhat pensive and still struggling to keep from speaking further. Ignoring your snide remarks, by the time the marriage paperwork goes through, she will outrank me in both title and position, assuming they've not lengthened the period of basic protocol training since I last thought of it. They have not. Wren raised his eyebrows. Although that is not nearly as relevant as the fact that you most certainly reassured me that you just liked fucking her, and that it was not anything serious, which I would entirely believe if you were not sat here before me with your asinine paperwork, seeing as you are seemingly unaware of the fact that she is currently on indefinite probation, not in training, due to an incident involving stealing the director's keys and sexually insulting him in the front main office, not to mention assaulting him in general regularly as well. 
Regardless, if you would like my signature, you will need to fill out the forms correctly. Ren turned the file back towards James and pushed it towards him. You may want to take these with you to ensure her information is consistent, since not correct. What the hell is that supposed to mean? James snatched the file from the desk. You know, I have known Mori for a while. I'm pretty sure I can get down my fiancé's basic information. She does talk to me, you know. I did not know about the probation, but I also did not think you're going to be that sort of a pedantic dick about things. There is such a thing as precedent, Porter. She wants to be equal with the men in delinquency. She will face the same consequences for her actions as the men in delinquency. Ren was somewhat distracted, looking past James out the door window. I'm perfectly sure you know precisely about her what she's told you. Now, if you'll run along with your papers, I have someone who understands the gravity of the situation to have a chat with. James stood reluctantly and looked at Ren. I thought she was being ridiculous when she said you'd be jealous. Way to be happy for me, asshole. James turned to leave. He could see Maury waiting patiently in the hall. I can assure you this is not a case of... Oh, fuck off, Ren. James opened the door and did not bother to pull it shut behind him. He held up the file to Maury. Apparently we filled out the paperwork incorrectly. I have to go get fresh copies. It is always something, is it not? Maury smiled weakly. James mouthed. Will you be all right alone? To Maury. Maury nodded. All right, call me if you need me. I'll be just down the hall. Maury embraced him and kissed him passionately. James stumbled nearly back into Ren's office. I love you, James. She kissed him again on the jaw. This is the happiest day of my life. James pet her hair. See you tonight? Maury nodded and hummed sweetly before kissing him again. James had gotten to the heart of the main office of the Department of People and sat in a lobby chair outside of the form office, waiting for whoever was supposed to be running it to return from wherever they had gone. James assumed it was lunch and that they would hopefully be back any moment now. He tapped the folder against his open palm and stared up at the ceiling, his legs sprawling outwards from the standard and uncomfortable waiting chair. He had not expected a warm reception from Wren. He had not expected Wren to be thrilled but he had expected something more than a restrained coldness. James was perfectly aware that, while his forms might take a day or so longer to process as they were, Ren had only sent him to redo them to get him out of the office without committing to anything. James frowned. Come to think of it, had Ren signed them off then, the forms probably would have been completely acceptable and not taken any extra time at all. Ren was just buying time to dissuade Maury. James sat upright. Something felt like it was not quite lining up, but he could not say what. He had never seen Wren, so... There was a single gunshot down the hall. James ran, 